If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, uh, find with us 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter. As you're finding that, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, one, if you were a part of the Father's Day giveaway uh, out there, uh, congratulations Brad Jones and uh, uh, Ron Berkner. You want to get your uh, gift when you leave. But uh, today I want to talk to you about what does God want for us as we continue on on this series. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but you've all been here long enough to know that, that we go verse by verse, word by word through the text. Uh, but that's not how most churches preach the Word of God. Uh, it's not how most people like the Word of God. Uh, but today, as we come here on Father's Day, and we've been preaching through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel for over a year now, total to combine, uh, today, as we come to Father's Day, we literally look at God saying that He is going to be the Father in this situation. And I think it's just always a reminder to me as I preach and I think about God, are we where you want us to be? Are we doing what you want us to do? And, and then on Sundays, like Mother's Day, when the sermons that we're on is looking at mothers, when we're on Father's Day and the sermons on Father, it's just a reminder that even though it's not always flashy and it's not always uh, what the world would say you have to do, I think it's what God wants us to be doing. And I want to just take a moment and say to thank you. Uh, as you know, we just finished up Vacation Bible School this week. We were uh, very blessed to have a wonderful week. We saw uh, three individuals saved. And so, amen. And so we're very thankful for that. And I just want to thank all of you who have worked and served. And as always, Vacation Bible School has been very important to this church over the many, many years. And so I hope that that will continue. But if you have been following along with us in King David's life, you have seen the ups and downs. And as I think today about Father's Day, for some of you, today is very special because you think about your father and, and the wonderful man that he is or that he was. And, and so Father's Day is a day to share pictures on Facebook and to remember how wonderful your father was. But let's not fool ourselves today. Some of you are thinking that I didn't even know my dad worked his whole life away or he was too busy at a tavern or, or he died when I was little. And so Father's Day brings a whole new set of emotions. And honestly, if we're here today, wherever you fall on that spectrum or somewhere in between, it really causes us to sometimes view God the way that we view our earthly fathers. And sometimes that is very good. Because we view him as loving and faithful and, and committed. But other times we view that as that God is absent, that God is distant, that God is not going to be there for us when times get tough. And so today I really want to just show you what God promises and what God has done for us and what this looks like. Because if you were with us the last few weeks, you probably remember that we've been looking at this idea of what does God want for me? What does God want for us? And we looked about the fact that God wants us to trust Him. That He has a purpose and a plan in the ups and downs in our life. We looked at how not all well-meaning advice is from the Lord. Sometimes people give you good advice, but not God's advice. We looked at sometimes God answers our prayers with yes and no and maybe. And sometimes later. We looked that we, last week, we must know what God has actually said, not what we think. 
We must look at last week that we need to remember where God has brought us from. And we look that we can't forget that God has a purpose and a plan. You say, wait, Jake, that was, that was something that you already mentioned. Yes, but because honestly, if you and I are truly honest this morning, we've all went through seasons of our life, whether it was at church or whether it was at work or whether it was individually that we've had to say, God, I just don't see what you're doing. God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't know why you're doing it, but I'm going to trust you. And even though we say we trust God, if we're honest today, most of us have had our faith shaken. We've went through seasons of doubt and discouragement. And so this morning I hope to show you that you should trust Him no matter what. And so if you would, pray with me, and we'll just jump right into the Word of God. Father, this morning, God, you know my heart, Lord, that it is sinful and wicked and evil, Lord, if you are not in control. And so, God, I ask for forgiveness, Lord, for any sin that is in my heart and life, God, that I have not already confessed. God, today I pray that you would speak through your messenger. Lord, give me the courage to say the hard things. God, give me the courage to say them with grace and mercy and love. God, I pray today that you'd work and move in hearts and lives. And Lord, I just ask that all that is said and done here today, God, would honor you and your kingdom. And God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think about fathers, you probably think about like what I do, fathers on television. And if you know anything about fathers on television, they do one thing to fathers on television. They make them look as dumb and useless as possible. And I'll be the first to admit, I love watching Everybody Loves Raymond. I love it. Loved watching Frank Barone. I know that you shouldn't quote him, but I loved it. All right, But in that TV show, they made Ray Romano, or whatever his last name was, always look like a fool. You can go all the way back for generations that Hollywood, that television, has made dads look fat, lazy, and sometimes that's true, uh, useless, worthless, and the butt end of every joke. And why is that? This is why. It is because... The movie industry and the television industry is not under the influence of the things that God wants. And because God is our Father and how we view our fathers is very important to how we view God, they have realized under the influence of Satan that if they will make a mockery of fathers, they will devalue fatherhood, then we as a culture will devalue fathers and family and what God has established. And if they can undermine what God has established, they can rob and steal a generation of people. Now, you might not agree with that. You might think that's extreme, but it's right. And it's true. And this morning, as we look at fathers and we look at what God is and who he is to us, I want you to take some notes as I try to be very brief this morning. The first thing is this, and you're going to say, I've heard this before, is that God wants us to know that he has a plan. And you say, Jake, why do you keep saying that? Because apparently I'm the only one who looks around and thinks, what is going on? How in the world are we in the shape that we're in? But look what he says in verses 10 and 11. If you remember, David was wanting to build a palace for God, and God says, no. But I want you to see what he says here in verses 10 and 11. 
Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of the wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells, or if you, if you have a, an original version or if you've ever studied it, it says God declares it. That means God is putting his stamp of approval that this is how it is going to be. Tells you that you will, he will make you a house. And what that word for house there means is royal dynasty. That God is going to build something for David that is bigger than a physical house. It is something that is going to last. And as a king, what you want is your legacy to last. Your dynasty to last. For your offspring to be still what you want them to be. And you say, Jake, why does this matter? And I don't have this verse on the screen this morning, but if Mike or whoever's up there wants to pull it up, they can. But if not, I just want to flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 13. Because this morning, if you're here and you're a father, you might be thinking, Jake, it doesn't matter what I do. Jake, it doesn't matter what our family does. It doesn't matter the decisions we make as a church. It doesn't matter it. God's going to do what God is going to do regardless Well, I want you to see the different outcome of two men and what it did to their families. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, starting in verse 13, King Saul has just disobeyed God. And listen to the words that Samuel speaks to Saul from God. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. He's saying God would have used you. God would have blessed you. God would have done this for you. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Don't miss that. Saul's sin, Saul's rebellion, Saul's wickedness, brought destruction to his family. If you've ever read about Saul, Saul's children died. Most of Saul's family died. They came out of power. They became just a footnote in history. But don't miss what God said there. Which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. You say, well, David had already been appointed king, not for three more chapters. God was telling Saul that your kingdom is coming to an end, even though it had not happened yet. And I don't want you to miss the significance of this this morning. Friends, you might be living in sin today. You might have neglected your duties as a godly father. We might have neglected our duties as the church that God wants us to be. And we're looking around and the results are still fine. But friends, there is coming a consequence eventually. You see, Saul was told, your kingdom is over. But yet as Saul looks around, things are just as good as they've always been. 
Things are just the way that they should be. And friends, many times you and I are like dead men walking. We think there is no side effects. We think there are no consequences. We think that nothing can happen to us. We're above the correction and judgment of God. But friends, that's just because God is merciful. And so this morning you might be saying, Jake, I don't have Bible study with my kids. I don't pray with my kids. I don't try to lead my family God's way. and Nothing has ever happened, right? Things are better than they've ever been. But friends, many times we do not see the consequences of our sin till much later. That's why we have, you have probably heard the saying, what one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. We might not think that skipping church matters. We might not think that abandoning the teaching of God's word matters. And it might not matter in this generation. But the seeds that we are sowing with our children and our grandchildren and the world around us will someday come to fruition. That's why the Bible says that we sow to the Spirit, we will reap of the Spirit. If we sow of the flesh, we will reap of the flesh. It's kind of like overeating. That first donut's not what gets you. That second donut's not what gets you. But 10 donuts every day for 10 years, that's when you wake up one day and you think, man, I'm fat. Why? But you don't realize it because the consequences don't always happen immediately. And this morning, if I could give you one word of encouragement, dads, choose like David. Did you hear what God told David? As the Lord tells you that he will make you a royal dynasty. He will build you a house. He will build you something that's going to last after you're gone. And as a father of six daughters, what I pray is that when I am dead and gone at some point, that they still will love Jesus, that they will still love the things of God, that they will still follow after God, that the principles of God and his word matter to them. Not that they come to church because their dad is the pastor or because their dad makes them or I can guilt them, but that they love Jesus that they love him with everything that they have and that when my life is over and I leave this world, that they will be able to continue to serve him and love him and to pursue him until God calls them home. It's the same thing as a church. One of these days, God is going to call me home or call me somewhere. And my desire is that this church has been built on a foundation that doesn't revolve around a person or a personality. Because most churches, they have a pastor who's there and he's cool and he's hip and everybody loves him. And then he dies or he moves to greener pastures and the church just... Why? Because it's built on a person. It's built on a personality. It's built on something that's not God. And so this morning I want to challenge you to build your life, to build your church, to build your family on the principles of God. That way God is the one that establishes. God is the one that grows it. And whether or not you're involved in it, the blessings will continue to flow. That God will continue to work. The second thing I want to show you this morning is that God's plan has eternity in mind, not temporary. God has eternity in mind, not temporary. You see, most of us think about what can we get immediately. How can we get the results we want immediately? How can we change everything 
today, but God doesn't just view things in the temporary. What's going to happen today? What's going to happen next month? God's purposes and plans have always been. He has always known. He has always been working and moving. And so his mindset is an eternal mindset. God wants you to be saved forever from your sins, not just for the difficulties of today. God wants you to have a relationship with him so that you can spend forever with him, not just to avoid the trials of today. And listen to what he tells Nathan to tell David in verses 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. There's the later. He says, I'll let him build me a temple. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men's. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. Don't miss the warning there. Whom I have removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. Now there's two portions of this that you need to know. One, he is addressing Solomon. And that David's descendants are going to be the kings of Israel. And and if you've read the... The, the Old Testament, you see how wicked they were and how much of a mess they made things and all of this stuff. But what this is really about is about Jesus. He is telling David that even though Solomon is going to take over, I am going to use your descendant in the person of Mary giving birth to Jesus, who is going to be a king that will reign forever. He is going to be a king that will build a kingdom forever. And so, David, while you're worried about this little strip of land in the middle of the Middle East, I'm worried about building a kingdom. I'm worried about building a people that will last forever, that will reach every tribe and every tongue and every nationality. And he's saying, what you think you're building here, David, is nothing from what I'm going to build that you get to be a part of. And friends, in your life this morning and in my life, we need to recognize something. Jesus is always at work. He is always using the Holy Spirit as he convicts people and deals with people and draws people and is doing things in the lives of people. And so we should always remember what we see is just a small picture of what God is doing. And what little bit we get to be a part of, we need to know that God can use what little that we have, what little that we can contribute to do things that are amazing and great. You see, he says there, he shall build me a house and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. But don't miss that verse in verse 14. As we're here on Father's Day, I will be his father and he shall be my son. Jesus tells the Pharisees and Sadducees this very same thing in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, as he is getting ready to go to the cross, the religious leaders of the day ask him some questions. 
In verse 66 of chapter 22 of the book of Luke, it says, As soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into their council, saying, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit at the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, Are you the Son of God? So he said to them, You rightly say that I am. And they said, What further testimony do we need? For we heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Now, if you are a religious leader in the day, And you've read the Old Testament, the scriptures that the Jewish people had. God literally said, I will be his father. And Jesus says, I am his son. The very thing that God the Father said about Jesus the son is what got him crucified. But I want you to see this because you might be saying here, well, wait a second. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. And with the blows of the Son of Men. You say, but Jesus was sinless. Jesus was perfect. But do you know what the Bible says? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see the reason that the son was beaten. The reason that the son was stroked. Struck. However you say that. Struck and stricken. I don't know. Beaten. Was because he took on our sin. Because he was going to have to suffer for us. And so when people say Jake. I believe there are many ways to heaven. There are many ways to God. There are many ways to make it to heaven. I humbly disagree. Because of what Jesus did for us. The fact that he took sin for us. That he took the punishment for us. And that God had always planned that. So that you could have a relationship with him. The reason that I can call God father. Is because of what Jesus the son did. That's why the Bible says, call no man father. And so we worship him because of who he is and what he's done for us. And this morning, I really want you to hear this because his sacrifice, his death, his taking the punishment that we deserved changed everything. But I don't want you to miss what verse 15 says. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. You see, Jesus is always going to be and has always been the King of kings and Lord of lords. And even though this is applicable because Solomon messed up, Solomon took all these wives and all these concubines and made a mess of things, God was still merciful to him. He was still gracious to him. And this morning as I think about what I want for God to do in my life, And what I want God to do for my children. And what I want God to do for my grandchildren someday. Is I want him to be merciful. 
I do not want God to give us what we deserve. Now, you might disagree with that, but that's because you have a warped view of who you are. I do not want my temper. I I don't want my selfishness. I, I don't want my pride. I don't want the consequences of my sin to be dumped on them. You say, Jake, that doesn't happen. You are sadly mistaken. It's called generational sin. If you look around and think about your life, there are probably some traits that you have, that your parents had, that you wish you didn't have. Some things that you find yourself doing the older you get that maybe aren't sinful. How many of you are married to a person who's starting to become like their parents were? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Come on now. You're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Mike, don't do that in the balcony. Don't. But friends, how many of you can look at your life and say, man, I'm glad I got that trait. How many of you have ever looked at me and said, boy, I hope your kids take after their mother, right? Don't raise your hands either. Why? But friends, this morning I want to encourage you with that. Because friends, you and I are the ones who make the decision that will put our family where God wants us to be. I have the decision as a father to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I am the one that has the decision to pour into their hearts and lives the things of God. And friends, I don't care what this generation says or who they blame it on. Each and every one of us have a decision to make. I am the responsible party for my family. It's not my children's job to raid themselves. It's not my grandchildren's job to raid themselves. It's my job to make a decision to be the man that God wants me to be, to be the father that God wants me to be, to be the husband that God wants me to be. And it does not depend on anyone else. You can say, my dad didn't do it that way. It's no excuse. You can say, my wife won't listen. It's no excuse. You can say, my kids won't listen. It's no excuse. Today is the day that you have to stand up and say, God, as far as I am concerned, and as long as you will give life to my body and breath and my lungs, I will be the man. I will be the person that you want me to be, God, and I am trusting that you will work and move and do great and mighty things as a result. Third and final thing this morning. We should be humble and thank God that God has a plan. Because this morning, some of you, and I I don't know who you are, you're thinking, I've done that. I've been that father. Our kids have turned out that way. When I hear a parent who says their kids didn't make mistakes, I always want to say, I wish you only knew. Because the heart is deceitfully wicked, the Bible says. But this morning, we should all be humble and thankful that God has a plan. And David could have responded in multiple ways. David could have said, well, who do you think you are, God? I fought the battles. I was the one that did this. I I was the one who was in the cave. I was the one who was living in a foreign land. I was the one who was changed for my life. But then King David, in verse 18, went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I? Oh, Lord God, and what is my house? He's saying, what is my family that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, oh, Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, oh, Lord God? David says, God... I don't deserve any of this. 
I don't deserve you to bless me. I don't deserve that you can do this. I don't deserve it. But thank you. And this morning, friends, I have no idea where you're at in your relationship with the Lord. I have no idea where you're at in your relationship with your wife and with your kids, with your parents. I have no idea. But this morning, if you are blessed, be thankful. If your children are where they should be, be thankful. If your children are still little and you feel like, God, you have really done what you've done, you're working and moving, be thankful. Be thankful. And friends, if it's not where it's at, go to the throne and beg God to work. Beg God to move. But don't miss what we looked last week when we talked about the fact that most of us are asking for things when our, there's something in our life that shouldn't be there. And so this morning, maybe you need to come and say, God, I've not been the father. God, I've not been the husband. I've not been the spiritual leader of my home. God, I have just, I'm not there, but today is the day, God. I ask that you'd forgive me. Give me the wisdom. Give me the strength. Give me, give me what I need, Lord. But don't forget that God has a purpose and plan bigger than what you and I can imagine. I'm thankful that God gave me my children. Some days I wish we wouldn't have had them as quickly as we had them. When we're at the ball field and two of them are fighting and two of them are, have disappeared and, and, and who knows what's going on. But what I want more than that is to spend forever with them. And I have been blessed that three of my children are saved. Three of them are not yet there. I believe that when God saves a person, he keeps a person. And so do I believe my children are perfect? Absolutely not. Do I believe my children are going to stumble and fall and fail and have trials and tribulations? Yes. But friends, what I want more than anything is for them to know Jesus and to know that when they take their last breath that they will leave this world and enter into heaven. Now, I want lots of things for them. I want them to marry someone who's not like their father. I want them to marry someone who is a true, gentle, compassionate person as God still works me. I want them to marry someone who will love Jesus and follow him. I, I want them to be successful. I want them to have so many. I want them to be healthy. I, all of those things. But friends, what I really want more than anything is for God to make an eternal difference in their life. And this morning I challenge you. Is that really what you want God to do the most? And if it is, are you pouring into them in such a way that that will be the outcome? You say, oh, I want my kids to go to, to heaven. I want my kids to be saved. Do you pray for them? I want my kids and grandkids to know who Jesus is and that he's real and that it's not just something that's not real. Are you living it? You say, oh, I want them to marry someone who is going to treat them with respect and dignity. Are you treating their mothers or fathers that way? You see, we live in a society that blames everyone except for ourselves. But in the church of Jesus Christ, it should not be that way. The Bible says we are to admit. And what we teach kids at Vacation Bible Schools is you must admit 
Believe, confess it. But friends, as adults, after we're saved, sometimes we don't want to admit that we've got a problem. We don't want to admit that we have a burden. We don't want to admit that we have pain. And this morning, friends, if we really want to see a move of God, we've just got to come and say, Lord, here we are. Do in us whatever it is that you want to do. And friends, I can promise you this. What God wants to do in your life and in mine is much greater and it's much better than I could ever dream and imagine for myself. And the results will be much better and greater than I could ever imagine for myself. And so this morning I'm going to ask that you pray with me. But before we pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning, if you're, not, if you're here this morning and you're saying, Jake, I don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, I don't understand who the Father is or, or why that Jesus would die for me, why he was risen from the dead, but I, but I know I have a problem. I know that I'm a sinner. This morning, I want you to know something. No one looking around. I'm not going to ask anything of you other than this. Would you get along with God this morning in this time of prayer and say, Lord, show me. Lord, deal with me about my need to be saved. Because I believe that God will. This morning, if you're here before we pray, and if you're saying, Jake, I've not been the parent, I've not been the father, especially this morning, that God wants me to be, that God, this during this time, that you will really get along with God. Maybe you're here and you're, you're thankful for the Father that God gave you. Or maybe you're here that you are struggling with the relationship that you had. This morning, would you just get along with God and say, God, help me to forgive that person. God, help me to celebrate that person. And maybe there's something totally different this morning. I have no idea what it is or what you're dealing with. But during this time of invitation, I just want to encourage you to do business with the Lord. To let him work and move to set you free from whatever it is. And you say, Jake, I don't care much for your sermon this morning. Hit a little too close for home. I'm okay with that. Because God wants you to choose life. He wants you to choose like David did. And not like Saul. And that's my prayer for you this morning. As a family, as an individual. And for us as a church, Jesus is the only way, the only choice. Choose him today. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, I thank you for your word, Lord, that it speaks, that it deals, that it is conviction through this power and work of your spirit. Lord, I pray this morning that you would not, that you would not condemn us, God, that you, but that you would convict us, that you would push aside the lies of Satan, that try to condemn us. Father, that you would show each and every person in this place today, God, that, that your desire for them is to choose life, choose forgiveness, choose hope, a second chance, God. I pray, Lord, for that person that's here today that is angry, that has hardened their heart, that is bitter. God, that you would soften it. God, that you would convict and work and move. And God, whatever takes place today, God, we just thank you for it. God, we give you all the credit, all the praise, and all the honor. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.